This is a Valerie Moss original podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Valerie's Variety Podcast with your host, me, Valerie Moss. And today I'm going to take a step back, Calgary history, and tell a little story about a police officer named William Shaliver from 1977. I also want to make note that some of this podcast has graphic and violent nature. So if you're listening with small kids, this probably isn't the podcast for them. Enjoy the episode. William Shaliver, we will do everything to see his death was not in vain. Having friends in the police force in Calgary, Ranging from detectives to canine and surveillance makes me reflect on their jobs and skills. Their sheer determination to make our streets better, safer. Having been on a ride along in the past and seeing what they go through firsthand also makes me contemplate the magnitude and intimate nature of their job. Going into people's homes, searching people, and speaking directly about the concerns at hand. It's very intimate and personal. So when I came across this article, well, many articles about this fallen policeman, I wanted to pay tribute to the story from the 1970s. The Calgary Police Service, or CPS, with 2,200 sworn members and 1,000 unsworn members and eight stations. Having the first female police chief in Canada, Christine Silverberg, and since inception in 1885, the CPS has lost 11 officers in the line of duty. 1917, Constable Arthur Duncan, gunfire. 1933, Inspector Joe Carruthers, gunfire. 1941, Constable Wilf Cox, motorcycle collision. 1957, Constable Ken Dalmage, motorcycle collision. 1974, Detective Boyd Davidson, gunfire. 1976, Staff Sergeant Keith Harrison, gunfire. 1977, Constable Bill Shaliver, gunfire. 1992, Constable Rob Vanderweil, gunfire. In 1993, Constable Rick Sonnenberg hit while attempting to stop a stolen vehicle. On that note, in 1993, as a direct result of a hit-and-run death of Constable Rick Sonnenberg, the helicopter airwatch for the Community Safety Hawks HAWCS unit was created, and the Calgary Police Service became the first law enforcement agency in Canada to incorporate the use of air support into its routine operations. In 2006, the unit was expanded when a second helicopter was purchased. In 
In the year 2000, Constable John Petropoulos, injuries sustained in a fall. And in 2001, Constable Darren Beatty, injuries sustained during a training exercise. Today, I will be featuring William Bill Shaliver, who lost his life to gunfire in 1977 as one of these 11 people. It all started back in May 24th, 1977. The scene shows two police cruisers under the light of the street lamps with a neon plant sign overhead blinking. One police officer running toward the camera, another running toward the camera, another ring is lit up and sales pro shop caption reads, police at shooting scene in downtown Calgary. After two officers were shot near the restaurant, they were shot in their mobile office. They were shot in their squad car on 8th Avenue Southwest. Them, as well as another assailment, a known robber was also shot on Friday. One of these officers, William Bill Shaliver, just 31 years old and only six weeks on the job, was shot in the head. The other officer was 26 years old and he was shot in the groin. The suspect? Roy Glareman, only 22 years old, was shot in the chest and buttocks and was satisfactory after surgery saved his life once a few bullets were removed and he was sewn up. The story goes something like this. There was a holdup Friday afternoon at the Jean Joint, downtown Calgary, as a separate incident. The two policemen, Shaliver and Peterson, his partner, were patrolling downtown around 1 a.m. when they saw a man that fit the, this description of Roy Glareman, the culprit from earlier. When they approached him, they asked him to come back to the police car. While there, Shaliver made an unsuccessful attempt to take the gun away. Glareman demanded that the two officers turn over their guns. Peterson stalled, trying to get handcuffs, and flashlight. They checked him, not like a full search, but checked him and put him in the back of the car. The fact that he was a suspect didn't produce the official signal of a true, thorough search. Here's Zone Sergeant Shaw talking about the complexity of putting somebody in the back of your police car when you're not entirely sure that they're who you're looking for. There are cases where policemen are hesitant to search a suspect, and you're not 100% sure. You hesitate to give someone undue harassment. Then he, the suspect, pulled a revolver immediately and shot Shaliver once in the back of the head. The second officer went to flee the vehicle and was shot two times, once in the leg and another time in the buttocks. However, another news article says one of these slugs hit Peterson's foot. Peterson, who was the second officer, shot the gunman two times as he fled, limping and excited as he continued to search for the suspect. Shooting the suspect two times also called into question the type of guns that the police have. There's nothing about the current gun that leaves me very worried. We're not seriously considering heavier equipment. This is Chief Brian Sawyer talking about being questioned regarding the type of guns that they carry in their vehicles. 
they added a rifle to the vehicle inventory for cases such as this. But in Shaliver's instance, this would not have helped. By shooting a suspect twice, could the suspect get up and continue to run? Two other officers captured the suspect shortly thereafter. The night manager at the Holiday Inn heard over half a dozen gunshots. and saw an officer lying wounded in front of the Pink Panther nightclub, located at 725 8th Avenue Southwest. Currently, this is the Queenswood House Apartments, and the other one running and holding himself across his body was believed to be Peterson. When the two officers captured the suspect at 7th Street and 7th Avenue, which currently resides the Nexon Tower, Sprague Drugs, Scotiabank Tower, and of course the Seastown, C-train track on 7th Avenue. William Bill Shaliver was, in all account, a rookie cop. He has a square jaw, short dark hair, and tinted glasses. He's clean-shaven, all of 31 years old, six weeks on the job. He was married with no kids. Being born in Belgrade, known as the White City in Serbia, Shaliver and his parents moved to Calgary to the Forest Lawn District around 1943. He graduated from Forest Lawn High School in 1945. And in 1969, he earned his welding papers. And as he worked at Barber Industries, he was looking for more and to make a difference. Changed his focus to becoming a police officer. Such a selfless, honorable decision. Here's Peterson quoting Shaliver. Shaliver said I wasn't doing anything while I was welding, and now I have a chance. Bill overcame many obstacles searching for a meaningful purpose for his life and found it by becoming a police officer. That's Constable Bill Martin. Can't you just hear how he felt about Constable Shaliver making the decision to become a police officer, likely a reflection of his own purpose? Peterson, Shaliver's partner, was only 26 years old. With two years of training and street experience in the downtown area of Calgary, Peterson is slim-faced, mustache, small eyes, and serious-looking. Such a young soul in a heavy, responsible work life. Suspect shot by a 38 caliber Smith & Wesson revolver. The Smith & Wesson Military and Police, or the Smith & Wesson Victory Model, is a revolver of worldwide popularity. In production since 1899, it is a six-shot, double-action revolver. Over its long production run, it has been available with barrel lengths of 2-inch, 3-inch, 4-inch, 5-inch, 6-inch. Both officers were wearing bulletproof vests, which only came out seven years prior to this incident. Unfortunately, due to the aim of the gunshot, missed the bulletproof vest and hit Shaliver in the back of the head behind his left ear. Here's Dr. Jack Barless, the neurologist on Shaliver's case. It's cut and dry. The wound was inflicted from below, behind, and from the left side. As you can hear, Prosecutor Chumka 
was reflecting on remorse during the investigation in the courthouse. He actually didn't see any remorse from Roy Glerman. Also, at this time in the 70s, the silent officer, the bulletproof glass cage was not invented yet, nor was being administered and discussed as a usable safety precaution. However, was revisited with more officers describing it as an obstruction. Here's Deputy Chief Howard Leary. City police tested a metal shield called the silent policeman, but officers didn't like it and found it an obstruction. Little did they know then how valuable this would be in a short period of time. Maybe the inconvenience of the screen has to be traded off for the protection of the officers. Police Chief Brian Sawyer was also being questioned about this new silent police officer and not ruling this out as an added benefit and defense for safety. Constable Shaliver was survived by his wife Janet and a daughter Billy who was born a few months after his death. His wife gave him this amazing news just days before he lost his life to Glerman. He also left behind his parents, Andre and Olena, extended family and many friends. He was an only child. From what I've seen, he has the makings of a good police officer. Any work he did for me, he did extremely well for a policeman of his experience. That's own Sergeant Shaw again talking about Shaliver's character and future. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. But now am found, was blind, but now I see. At 10 a.m., more than 1,000 people paid their respects to the fallen officer. The third officer down in as many as 30 months and one week after the shooting. Here's police chief. Brian Sawyer. We of the police service will do everything in our power to ensure that his death was not in vain. He shall not be forgotten. This was held in the remarkable Jubilee Auditorium with honor guards, pipe band, and representative from other forces. Where the police force gave an incredible reflection on changing policy and how they conduct searches and have put the promise out there to protect their officers during their very difficult positions on the job. Here's Constable Bill Martin. Becoming a policeman exposes men to the unpleasant side of life. He put 100% effort into everything he undertook. You know, contact with Bill made you feel enriched. You don't think about death because there's a job to do. But something like this really makes you stop and think. It's a case where nobody wins and everybody loses. This was an officer speaking about Shaliver around the time of the funeral. Can't you just hear the impact something like this has had on one of their own?
six police motorcycles led the funeral procession from the auditorium doors and 200 red-coated Mounties from across the country followed and a solo slur drum saluted each step down 14th Street Northwest. Roy Glerman, who is this man at 22 years old? Where did he come from? What was his life like? How did he become a killer? As he sat quietly taking notes during the court case, being charged with killing Shaliver, first-degree murder, caught nearby the shooting. He was extremely pale and had blood on his shirt. That's Sergeant Ron Gutterich. He was discussing what he saw at the scene the night Shaliver and Peterson were shot. He looked guilty. The two men described by Calgary police as associates to Glareman have been arrested in Edmonton, just three hours north of Calgary, and charged with a gunshot break-in as well as armed robberies there. He deliberately shot two officers and didn't show any remorse. Here's Crown Prosecutor Paul Trumka. The accused Roy Glerman was an accurate shot. He hit his targets, Shelever once and Peterson twice. He intended to use the pistol as a weapon. The accused showed not a slightest bit of remorse. He immediately leaves the car and attempts to kill another officer. So we know now that Shelever was shot twice in the back of the head. First-degree murder, what does this mean? Mostly what I could find referenced the United States of America and today's justice details, not from 1970. Any intentional murder that is willful and premeditated with a malice aforethought. Felony murder, a charge that may be filed against a defendant who is involved in a dangerous crime where a death results from the crime, is typically first-degree murder. First degree is slightly different results, as we do not have the death penalty in Canada. Currently, first degree means planned and deliberate murder, contracted murder. Murder is planned and deliberate when it is committed pursuant to an arrangement under which money or anything of value passes or is intended to pass from one person to another. And this is interesting, is murder of a police officer Irrespective of whether a murder is planned and deliberate on the part of any person, murder is first degree when the victim is a police officer or other person employed for the preservation and maintenance of the public peace, acting in the course of his duties. Glareman gets life for slay police officer. Found guilty in four ways of first degree murder. Mandatory life imprisonment. This means he met four of the criteria for first-degree murder. The criteria today may not have been the criteria in the 70s. Number one, culpable homicide. Number two, attempting to commit robbery by pointing a gun at the officers trying to steal their weapons. Number three, threatening the officers with his gun was likely to cause a struggle and potential death of a police officer. And number four, 
Even if a murder isn't planned when the victim is a police officer, it's automatically first degree. Rory Glerman has been held in different levels of prison, serving his life sentence. Here's an interview he did with prison TV host Robert Rosie Robotham, where he talks to Roy Glerman about cascading through the prison system. So look, we've come a long way from Millhaven uh, population, uh, Collins Bay. Uh, we've known each other for whew, too many years, I didn't want to say, but... Uh, uh, we both made it to uh, minimum camp, so I want to ask you about it. So uh, tell me, uh, how long have you been at this camp yourself? I've been here almost a year. And, you know, I got to tell the guys next door at the bay, you know, clean up your act, do what you got to do to get here because it's a whole different place to be. And uh, it's so much like without stress. Did he just say without stress? Isn't that the whole reason he's supposed to be in prison? Is to have some stress inflicted upon his character? That guy's over there, like I couldn't imagine it. I mean, I, you know, I always had it in the back of my mind. Eventually I'll be in minimum security. But until you get here, it was like going from Millhaven to Collins Bay. Yeah. You know, it was all stressed out, Millhaven lines drawn everywhere. And uh, you get to Collins Bay, it's like you're anonymous again. Anonymous again? To set the stage. He's standing there with a clipboard in his hands and the wind is kind of blowing around them. They're standing outside of the prison, which in behind looks basically like an apartment building. And the host, who's kind of a heavy set guy, gray hair, a little rough around the edges, is standing there with his microphone. It's the same sort of transition. You get here, the stress is gone. There's no lines. There's no lines. Everybody's sort of happy to be here. Wait, what? Happy to be here? How can that be? And uh, things are good. I mean, you take that whole security thing, the intensive security, you take it out of the equation, and everybody sort of relaxes. That, and I'll tell you, it, for them, like staff, transfer from Collins Bay to here, it's as much of a break for them as it is for us. Oh yeah, I, I've I've been following. That. I've I've mentioned that to him. But you know, we we started in in the in the Haven in in the 70s. We went through the Bay in the 80s and Gladiator School, and then we, we here we are in the 90s sitting at camp. But I, it's hard to explain to the folks at home about the the politics and the games and whether you agree or disagree with the with the con code or whatever where the pendulum swinging inside the institution whether it's right or wrong, but, I mean, the stress is just so incredible. I mean, how, how do you put it in words? I mean, the, the, the stress dropping off from maximum security to, to medium, and then, again, a just a huge drop-off from medium to here. I'm not sure what you did, Rosie, but Roy Glerman murdered a police officer point-blank, shooting him in the back of the head two times. The thing about going to prison is... He needs to pay for what he's done. Well, you, you can put it this way, that if, if you're getting out, well, first off, the CSC does whatever it can not to let guys out for maximum. Some guys will get out for maximum, but, you know, if, if possible, that's, that's not done. A lot of guys get out for medium. That should be avoided, too. I mean, it can't be in, in many cases. But especially if you've got a lot of time in, 
you, this is like a decompression. This is closer to relations that you have on the street when you're talking to people, you're ordering, you're talking on the phone. Um, people, there's, there's more people coming and going daily. If you don't have that, you get out from Collins Bay. A lot of guys have gone out from the bay, medium security, and come back and said, well, like, I was out there, I thought I was being watched at all times. You know, I was turning around, uh, I just felt uneasy all the time. Uneasy all the time? The reason why you're in there is because you've done some heinous crime. You should feel uneasy. Because you're taking that sort of whole awareness, that, that the way that you're, you're operating in medium security, and you're taking that out with you onto the street. And really, that's, I don't see that as a good thing. Sure, some guys do it, get along fine. But that, that sort of headspace... You take that with you. Well, it's, it's me. It's like the game's still on. It's like that criminal reality is still in your mindset. It's like the game's still on. That's why getting out of the max and medium, I think CSC is taking the right approach, is getting people out of the mediums. Because, I mean, the first time I've ever made it and, and didn't, didn't offend was coming out of a minimum security institution. And so I know you haven't made that thing, but I, I, I see that you're wise enough to gauge it and, and, and look and say, have the insight to see that. Yeah. Well, like I say, it's the whole security thing, and it's as present on their side as it is on ours. I don't know if you've ever done it, but if you go on an ETA for medium security, as soon as you get out the door... An ETA is escorted temporary absence, which provides the inmate to meet medical, administrative, or humanitarian goals. It facilitates the rehabilitation of offenders and their reintegration into the community as law-abiding citizens. Staff is no longer like in their mode, and you're no longer in your mode. It's just two guys going out. Yeah, there's all that stuff. Like you're on an escort. He's there to, to escort you and to make sure that everything goes smoothly. I have that touch of humanity. I know. It's just insane, isn't it? Yeah, well, and it's, and it's noticeable. And, of course, as soon as you come back in, both of you, you and your escort, fall back into the mode that you, you know, that rolls and, and, and all. And that's it for the interview with Roy Glerman and Rosie. Kind of interesting to hear them talking so casually when they've both been through the penal system in Canada for many, many years. Colin Bray Prison, he pined for conjugal visits. If both parties are inmates, they cannot have conjugal visits, which means a visit to a prisoner by the spouse of the prisoner, especially for sexual relations. A conjugal visit is a scheduled period in which an inmate of a prisoner jail is permitted to spend several hours or days in private with a visitor, usually their legal spouse. The parties may engage in sexual activity. The generally recognized basis for permitting such visits in modern time is to preserve family bonds and increase the chances of success for prisoners' eventual return to life after release from prison. They also provide an incentive to inmates to comply with the various day-to-day rules and regulations of the prison. Incentive. I find the whole thing disgusting. That's Mrs. Shaliver being asked her opinion to Roy Glerman's request for conjugal visits 23 years later in 2000. Conjugal visits usually take place in designated rooms or a structure provided for that purpose, such as a trailer or a small cabin. 
Supplies are also provided. I can't have conjugal visits. Roy Glareman took that away from me on May 26, 1977. These people can commit the crimes they commit and they are treated better than we are. That pain of losing a loved one will get easier but will never go away completely. And when your past catches up to you like this, I'm sure the flood of emotions comes rushing back to that day and time when you received this dreadful news. Within my research, I could not locate any additional information on the suspect who was guilty, Roy Glareman. I'm assuming he's out of prison by now, and I'm assuming he's back in society. Shaliver lost his life to this man. Shaliver was 31 years old, and this man was only 22. What makes a 22-year-old person into a killer? And how does that happen? Were you around in 1977 when this story unfolded? Did you know William Bill Shaliver? What about his partner, Constable Jack Peterson? How about Roy Glareman? I'd like to pay a special tribute to all the fallen officers in our Calgary Police Service and all the active, on-duty, and retired officers for giving their all to keep our city safe. References to journalists and newspapers. Charles Sterling, Herald Staff Writer. Mark Tate, Herald Staff Writer. Deborah Lehman, Herald Staff Writer. John Bertrand, Joanne Remont. Photos by Bill Harriet of Shaliver at Graduation. Globe and Mail, Alexandra Panetta for the Canadian Press, and thank you to the Calgary Central Public Library for having amazing resources and all of these original news clippings that I was allowed to take pictures of, which are of course posted at ValerieMoss.ca if you're interested. Thank you also to Prison TV for posting this interesting clip with Roy Glareman and Rosie. I also want to give a special thank you for all the people who contributed to the voice work on this episode. Andy Ace for being the voice of Chief Howard Leary. Austin Kirk for being the voice of Police Chief Brian Sawyer. Bridget Frank for submitting an addition and entry for Amazing Grace. Cherry Desai for being the voice of Inspector Don Nielsen. Dan Stevenson for being the voice of Dr. Jack Barless and Sergeant Ron Gutterich. Dean Giles for being the voice of Constable Peterson or Peterson, depending on which article you're referencing. Dustin Danzer for being the voice of an officer at the funeral. Karen Hendall for being the voice of Miss Shaliver, probably the most special part. 
Kyle Marshall for being the voice of Constable Bill Martin. Lucia Julio for singing Amazing Grace at the start of the funeral. Bill Better for being the voice of the Crown Prosecutor Trumpka. Samantha for submitting an entry for Amazing Grace. Sean Perrin for being the voice of Zone Sergeant Shaw. And thank you to London Moss for the intro and outro for this podcast. Jason Schnell for Tascam 40, my theme music. Sound effects used through GarageBand today are Rescue Helicopter Slamming Metal Lid in Place of Gunshots Motorcycle Engine Start True Heart Solo Snare Dog Bark 03 and Grand Piano Research for this show has been a collaboration between newspaper articles and online research done by me, Valerie Moss. Produced through GarageBand and WordPress. Coming up on a future episode will be the making of this one. It's amazing what needed to go into this story and the amount of editing to get it done. If you've enjoyed this podcast story about Bill Shaliver and would like to hear more of these in future episodes, please leave me a comment, a rating on iTunes, which would be amazing, as well as send me a text or an email to Valerie at ValerieMoss.ca. Thanks for listening. Visit ValerieMoss.ca for more information.